this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you continue to join us. I must tell you that I'm often very surprised that people are still listening to this show. But we're very glad to encourage you. It has been our mainstay for the last... 30 plus years to do one thing, and that is to encourage women. Encourage women in who they are as a woman, a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. Beyond that, how could anybody keep talking about those four things for this many years? But there's just so much to be said, especially in our current situation. So you've been terrific the last few months and have been inviting your friends to meet me. It is just wonderful. And so now I'm turning the tables on you, and it's my turn to introduce my friends to you. And I think this is one of the smartest things I've ever done. I am so excited because I have hand-selected from a raft of acquaintances, long friendships, short friendships, and inside of me, I have a reason for each person's coming, but I haven't told them what that is. A mutual friend of my guest today, um, who is now at home in heaven with God, said that one of the best gifts you can ever give someone else is the gift of your friends. And that has been a remarkable tool in my life and in the relationships that I've started. So it's my turn to begin introducing you to the people, the women and men, young and old, who build the walls around my life and who have helped me build the walls of my life. We've talked a little about Abraham and his friendship with God. We talked about that wonderful song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I think the notion that God knew Abraham not only intimately, but God knew what was best for Abraham. And he kept drumming that beat, or beating that drum, I should say, all through Abraham's life. And if you haven't heard that show, go back and listen to the Friend of God show. It'll help you set the stage for these interviews that I'm having today, starting today. So this is my, oh, we've tried to stay away from all these words. We don't say bestie or best friend or I've known her longer than I've known anyone else because those are simply not true terms. But you know, every once in a while, someone comes into your life that in God's economy turns out to be so many individual things to you that you want to say best because they encompass such a huge part of your life. And I'm introducing you today to a woman who has done that in my life. Her name is Joan Pauline Haas. Maloof. Don't you love it? Don't you love knowing someone so well? You know their middle name and their maiden name, and I knew her parents and her brother and her family. And Joan has been the kind of person who has let me live my motto totally. And my motto, as all of you know, is if I love you, I love who and what you love. And Joan has welcomed that in our lives. So I welcome you, dear Joan. Welcome to Modern Homemakers. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. It is nice to have you here in the studio in our little little makeshift studio, which we can move around with our producers. It's great. It's great to have you across the set. I have to tell you, though, that I'm a little nervous. Really? I am. Because we we are just, we talk about everything. Like, <laughs> you're no, afraid I'm going to no tell your secrets. <laughs> 
oh, I don't mind if you tell anything. Well, maybe I do mind if you tell yeah, anything. Yeah, I would, <laughs> just like I would, yes. So the first thing I'm doing in these interviews is asking my guest to tell our audience how you remember our first meeting. <laughs> what you remember about it, where it was, anything that's memorable. Well, you and I used to go to a mega church. We did. And I don't remember meeting you that Sunday, but I was sitting on the end of the aisle, and this couple came down the aisle, and you and David looked so different than <laughs> I was used to. And we used to dress up more back in the olden days than, <laughs> than certainly a lot of the churches do now. But you were all in black, big surprise. And <laughs> David had a suit on with a tie. And I just thought, this couple doesn't look like everybody else. This is, doesn't feel like an Arizona couple. And we so were. So that was the first time I saw you. And then um, a gal who was teaching the Bible study in my house that summer ended up as a friend of yours from Chicago. And I guess I... You did. I told Gail, I don't, I don't know if I called you directly or I just asked Gail to invite you as a new person if you wanted to come to the Bible study. So that's what I remember. Oh, isn't that And sweet? I even remember the year, which Donna is very good at remembering numbers, years, when certain things... How many people, that kind of thing. <laughs> and the only reason I remember is because Amy had been born in April, and this was, did you start right away? Or? Yes, okay. May, May-ish. Yeah. Oh, okay. May well, then you were there right at the beginning. Yeah. So she Amy. is 42, so it was 42 years ago. Amy Maloof, that is Amy. She's not Maloof. Well, she's sort of Maloof. Yeah, she is. She kept her Joan's, name. <laughs> Joan's daughter, Amy. Born. And so, yes, we weren't from here. We had just been transplanted from the big city of Chicago. And I was frankly appalled at the way most people dressed in Arizona. You I weren't mean, expecting it? It was, it was yeah. so, every, everyone was so casual. Yes. And I remember David and I going in to a bank. Now, we're big city people, Chicago, and you would never go into a bank and not find a man fully suited or woman fully suited, clothes, high heel suit. And went into the bank and this guy had a short sleeve shirt on and a bolo tie. A and I said to David, <laughs> we are in the West. Yes. There's another funny story, but I won't tell you that one because we're not here to talk about that. So <laughs> my first recall of Joan is obviously not seeing her, but um, receiving this invitation. And that has a, um, a part to do with what we always talk about around here, is you're really not in control. God is con in control. And the circuitous routes that God takes to get you and I to meet mm -hmm. was my friend Gail and her husband Don, who left Chicago and came to Scottsdale. They were the only people we knew in Scottsdale. And between the time we decided to move to Scottsdale and we got here, they had decided to move back to Chicago. Oh, my. <laughs> and Joan calls me on the phone and says, we, I know that you are friends with Gail and Don, and we're having a farewell party. Oh, that's right. It was to at the party. A farewell first, party. Yeah. And now I say to David, 
we have been invited to a party. We don't even know these people. They invited us to a party. And I can still remember being... Now, there's the, the juxtaposition between Chicago, dress up, be business, look, look. And there was this friendliness of a stranger, you were a stranger to us, inviting us to their home to say farewell to their friends and our friends. And um, that, that really, that imprinted on us. I don't remember anything else that happened between us except this story that I'm going to tell because I determined it, I thought about it a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. That Christmas, and you all know how no, I love Christmas. No. <laughs> that Christmas, Joan and her husband, Joan, her husband didn't have anything to do with it, gave us a little, oh, maybe it's 10 inches tall, ceramic crock, who could believe that 43 years ago, I could remember what's in it, Viennese coffee was inside of it. And I thought, we love coffee, Viennese coffee, that's pretty très chic, okay, I like that. So we didn't, you know, you know how I feel about girls, don't go and buy a present for someone who's bringing you a present, it was just a thoughtful thing to do. But that year, I said to David, let's keep the crock <laughs> and give it back to Joan and Rick next year for Christmas, believing that we would even know them then. And now... 42 years later, we've been shifting that crock back and forth. There's no more room to write on it, is there? Oh, it's <laughs> Almost. so funny, the it things that we come up with. <laughs> one, year, one year, because you were building a house or? Remodeling 53rd place? Who knows? Something. I, something. Oh, I know. That's when you had the, the giant ceiling yes. fall. Okay. Yeah. And so we went out to a construction site and picked up sawdust and nails and little pieces of wood and put it in the crush. We did. Because that was the memorable thing <laughs> that year. So we never know. And both of us say the same thing. Like, oh, no, I got the crock. We have to figure out something I know, to put in. I know. Clever. We but, have to be clever. But we are course. clever about it. So yeah. we pretty much agree on that I thought version. you were going to tell the story of. that you had the Christmas party. But you were inviting everybody over to decorate your tree. <laughs> I did that for years. Before we well, moved from nice, Chicago. Now that I'm older, it's a nice idea. It's a, it's a wonderful idea. It was a wonderful idea. And that was, um, come, and your husband, uh, this is a part of that Christmas party. I made a dried beef chip dip, okay? Mm -hmm. And you had to heat it and put stuff together with it. And Rick came into my kitchen. I had not even put it out. He came into my kitchen. I thought, I don't know you that well. But he came into my kitchen and was digging around. And then he said, hey, I can come into your kitchen. I have to decorate your tree. I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> and and I, so, I decided that I was not going to string those dumb popcorn you, things. String. That's, that should have given me an indication about <laughs> of who the, you were. The trouble that was to come, yeah. <laughs> we still get in so much trouble. Oh, we've had such wonderful times. Okay, so I want you to describe to our audience uh, things you'd like. I can tell all sorts of things about you, but what would you like our audience to know about you? Some key ingredients, anything, that, anything you like. Well, I am a native of Arizona. My uh, mother and her family homesteaded in Arizona, and I can tell stories about the women being left on the desert while the men went into town in the mines to earn some money. And um, that's a rich heritage to have that long of a time um, 
to have been Arizona people. Mm -hmm. And they always say, oh, that's unusual to meet a native. Well, not as much as it used to be. It used to be very unusual because people were moving in. They, you know, they hadn't been born here. So uh, I had a, a great family that loved me, and I miss my mother every year more and more and more because I appreciate her more. And more. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad's consistent love, so I have never had a problem with believing that God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit loved me a lot. It's never been an issue. So I don't seem to have some of the um, abandonment issues that some people do, feeling like God's abandoned them or whatever. Um, and I and I attribute that to mm-hmm. how steady my family was. They, they were, were not perfect. They were lovely, though. They were lovely But people. my brother uh, was seven years younger than me. He was adopted. So the idea of adoption was fine. I mean, it just was something you did, and it wasn't a big deal. And uh, it turned out that he was very severely mentally challenged, and um, it was progressive. So, but I loved, loved being an older sister. Loved it so much. So taking care of John, helping with him was never an issue. And uh, I cannot wait to meet him in heaven. Because I'll know his full personality at that point. So um, met Rick at ASU, blind date. Good things come from blind dates. (laughs) And um, when we finally started to click, is that he ended up being a young life person, and I was a young life person. And so, are you a Christian? Yeah, are you a Christian? (laughs) It's too bad that we didn't understand that earlier. (laughs) We hadn't dated that long, so that's okay. But um, as cute and adorable as you were, it didn't matter that you were a Christian and he invited you uh, out. You were a babe. Well, that's the thing that bonded us together. So he graduated from college. I had one more year, which I did finish and got a teaching degree. And he started in business with his brother. And um, they were the ones that taught me about family. Uh, My mother and dad had taught me wonderfully because of my dear, dear aunt and uncle and cousins. But uh, just the he and his brother were in business together and just the way they respected each other even though they're very different in personality but they love each other so deeply and they're you know the bible talks about submitting to one another i saw that firsthand so i just i just um learned that way myself that you mm-hmm. share what you have mm-hmm. and if somebody makes a mistake that's okay we'll just we're in this together and it was pretty beautiful for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, the business dissolved, and that was pretty hard, uh, mainly because Rick and Bob could not work together anymore and went their separate uh, directions, but always tight as brothers. Always, yeah. still to this day. So about the third year we were married, we decided it was time to get pregnant, and I didn't get pregnant. And back in those days, if you can believe it, there weren't a lot of uh, infertility specialists and all the things that they have now. 
anyway, we ended up adopting. Wonderful story, won't go into it, but wonderful story of that. And then three and a half years later, uh, we adopted J uh, Amy. So Jason and Amy, <clears throat> seven, uh, three, excuse me, three and a half years apart. And um, Rick was a hard worker. Um, he left before we got up and came home about 6, 6.30 and was very family oriented, but he was a busy man. But I thought that's just the way life was. <laughs> yeah. And we, you and I, um, because of that great freedom that we had to be stay-at-home moms, we, yes. we've done some ministry together. Yes. You and I started a lot of things. One thing that came to my mind that I was giggling about was Joan was in the Bluebirds the girls, little girl, girls group, and um, you I know, was. You were, you were, you were I leading was, a bluebird. I was a brown. Oh, oh, the at church. At church, what and so she those? invited me. This is two sides of that story. She invited me to help her, and I flaked on her. But she, she wanted <laughs> she to call did. me something like a, a, a sparrow or a, sp a name, and I, I thought. I come from Chicago. I'm not getting to be called some girly well, that's bird what they name. Did with that. I what was the name of that girls group at church? Wasn't it Bluebirds? I or thought it was Pioneer Bluebirds. Girls. Oh, Pioneer Girls? Yeah. Well, maybe the name you gave me was Bluebirds. <laughs> I don't know. No, it, no, it was it was some Sesame Street name, I think. Uh, whatever. Anyway. I, the thing that I, you didn't say about yourself that I feel I must say is that you are a great witness of how life your parents i you know when amy was applying for a job still to this day i can just still remember her saying i'm going to tell them that my grandparents were they were homesteaders and and i thought what she said you know aunt donna they're a they're a arizona based company they're just going to love that and they did they did and they did and i thought you you planted that into her your parents your grandparents your um but more than that um your whole life, including adoption, um, your brother, and then your own children. And that led you to be very proactive in the family care agency that is very, has, has served hundreds, thousands of families since the years that you said, I'm stepping up here to help make this happen. Um, so it's nice to hear you give your description of the things you've been engaged in, but that part of your life became something God allowed you. Yes, I to, think God does that. To serve. Plus, to serve. I think um, the whole idea of serving, um, my, that was an expectation. My mom and dad worked, and they needed help with John, and we put him through this program where he was creeping and crawling. I'm sure there's somebody um, in your audience that would... The Doman Delcato method. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway... Um, and so we did creeping and crawling, and I would read to him every morning before school. And we did, anyway, it was, it was really good for me. I don't think I resented it, except I didn't like getting up earlier, but um, just because God put that heart in me, it, mm -hmm. it lasts, mm -hmm. that kind of wanting to serve and care for people. And yet your home wasn't a home that you and Rick would build um, as far as Christ-centered and its activities. They love God. I mean, it, but it wasn't a churchy house. No. And um, valued, very valued. Driven, values. But very it wasn't nice. until later in life that my mom and dad really took 
their faith seriously. So of the things that you have been engaged in and their, their legion, um, legion, I often think about that. I've been doing the same thing for 35 years and you've just gone from thing to thing to thing to thing. But all of them have had some... Um, there's a thread. There, there's a thread, but there's like an impetus within you. Of the things that you've been engaged in, does one stand out to you that you're really glad you put your hand to the plow and served? Service is a way of life. You serve everywhere. I can remember my grandmother coming to your house when you were oh, having... Oh, yeah. You had babies in your home. Mm -hmm. uh, what wasn't, it wasn't adoption. What was it? What it was, was foster care. Foster care. Couldn't yeah. say that word. Um, and you had babies. I have a picture of my grandmother that I just dearly love. Yeah. Um, she wasn't fully um, mentally able at that time, but I would take her, and then she held that baby and looked mm. at that baby, and I thought... There you were, living your life to the fullest and having these foster babies come and go. In those days, I didn't know how you could love a baby and let him go. Uh, you taught me those things. But is there something that you've done that you put your hand at the plow that you think you're so glad you did? I don't think I've ever been involved in anything that has continued. Like, I'm not going to make any more flower arrangements <laughs> for the women's luncheon anymore. <laughs> There's just certain seasons of your life that you give yourself permission. But boy, was I gung-ho doing things like that in the early days. So um, Christian Family Care is the name of the agency. And the way that that started was the church we were going to was talking about abortion issues. And there came a strong feeling that if we're going to say we don't believe in abortions, then we need to provide a way for women to be supported in their decision to keep their babies, um, keep their pregnancies. And um, so we were involved with that for qu quite a long time. And I uh, always wanted to adopt more children. Rick said, Two is fine because when we go to Disneyland, <laughs> if there's an extra kid and you're on a ride, <laughs> and this was the reason he gave me. I'm sure there was a deep reason, but as it turned out, um, boy, was that God, a God-led excuse. It was. So uh, anyway, and so we kept these babies. What a wonderful opportunity for our kids to see the value of life and see... Uh, the struggles that these poor families, uh, you know, the birth families went through um, choosing whether or not to keep. Because we would keep the babies two or three weeks only. And by that time, uh, the birth mother needed to make a decision whether that baby was going home with her or it would go to a family uh, for Christian family care. And um, it was a joy. I love babies. Love babies. Um, but I did get towards the end. I got really tired because we had two kids and and um, doing the normal things of taking them places and all that, and then getting up in the middle of the night. I don't know how these families that do it all the time do it. I don't. Yeah. I, I and I, I think we often talk about the fact around here anyway. You know, there's teaching, and there's the 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 taught it message, and then there's the caught it method, and um, I. I know your children well, and, um, and they both had a 
they both had a very um, broad sense of bringing people in. Mm -hmm. uh, Accepting uh, the other, and uh, that's that came, right. a lot of that came from an organization also that we're deeply involved with it called Neighborhood Ministries. Yeah. And it's primarily a Latino uh, community. And um, Amy used to uh, go down and help with the kids' clubs and, and summer programs. And so being around people with dark hair and speaking a different language, it was not a big deal. They started at a young age. We helped in different ways at different stages. And Jason um, became, as time went on, he had a brain tumor and it uh, became uh, mentally disabled. And um, so, but serving with him was like watching Jesus because he loved it. He loved to serve. And if you gave him the right job, he, he just excelled. Fully. And he, we watched Jesus. We did. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, part of the passage of my life was uh, when we lost our Jason, when he was um, 36 years old. And I know most people think, oh, I'm not even 36 yet. But to me, he was, he was still, there was a childlikeness to him. And um, it was pretty devastating. But... Uh, so miss, so miss the presence of Jesus through Jason. Mm -hmm. oh, he was just amazing. He really was. And, 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 you know, it's one thing to have a mom say that about her son, but um, I'm not even a biological aunt. I was just an adopted aunt. But um, both of your children have um, had a great influence on me. Um, one, the, what you alluded to, and that is that there was a great acceptance because in the Caudit method, we had strangers' babies in our house. They weren't our cousins or our, our sisters or our brothers. They were babies that came from families who, well, how much they understood, they were awfully little, but they, they needed help. The, the babies needed help and the mamas and papas needed help. So they engaged in that. And I think both of the kids were very, at young ages, very willing and accepting of others. And, Jason, who um, his ability to be Jesus um, was so simple. Mm -hmm. It was just a simple. His language was simple. His his terms were repeatable. Um, you 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 knew where he stood. He didn't mince words. No guile. What? No guile. Oh, we have said that from the beginning. And so here's Jason. Um, my junior by 30 or 40 years, and yet um, his way of life, not only with his um, lack of capacities in certain areas, but his chosen way of life, his chosen way of life, the things he chose to engage in and give himself to. And Jason is at home in heaven, but the smile that Jason gave when he was very happy uh, would change your life, just change your life. Just one of those smiles would change your life. Um, so um, I wanted to say, Joan, that um, the relationship, uh, as I said, you helped me live my motto by letting me love your children, your husband. Mm -hmm. If I love you, I love who you love. 
your mother and father were very gracious to David and I. Um, <laughs> My mother loved to give advice to Dawn. Yes, she loved And to me, of course, all the time. She loved to give advice. <laughs> she loved the fact that oh, we were friends. And uh -huh. I remember she did. that was a novel thing to me. My mother would not have done that kind of thing. And um, that was a novel piece to me. So, and I still have... We all tell Edna stories if we if we knew Edna at all, but some of them are priceless and precious to me. But I wanted to say before we come to the end of our time here, and I it'll go so fast. Joan and I could really talk for hours. We have talked for hours. <laughs> we have been on many girls trips, usually looking at art somewhere in the world. Um, we have traveled together. Our families loved each other. We still spend Christmas Eve together. Um, the, the the history is deep and rich. And I was thinking about what I asked you, I, the question that I want you to end our time with, which is, would you share with our audience a value that you have that's shareable, okay? But I thought before you did that, I wanted to say to you, not only publicly, I think you know this about, about our relationship. So first of all, Joan is younger than me. And usually she's very quick to tell you that. Um, and that usually <laughs> would make me the older sister. But in many ways, Joan, who's much more wise and sage than I can be, um, is really the older sister. And has said many things to me, some of them with her finger wagging, and some of them um, that annoyed me greatly. We have had a bump in our road that was severe enough for the two of us to be apart from one another which was very hard on both of us, and yet it was so perfectly right from God. And one of the things, and we've talked about this many times, uh, one of the things that came out of that was people saw, people in our broad circle who knew us and loved us, saw that we had had a breach, and they thought that would be the end. And then they saw us come back together. True and be deeper. And we didn't do that for that reason in any way, but we knew that would be true. So in all the things though, Joan, that you have ever said to me, wagged your finger at me, wanted me to do, asked me to do, loved me through, there is one thing that you have said to me some years ago that um, is without a doubt the most important thing you ever said to me. And that was, um, I can tell you anything I can just say whatever I think, and I can tell you exactly what I think you should do. And you, that's your tone. And then, uh, because you said to me, when I do, I know that you will take it to the Father and do what he tells you mm. to do. Nothing could be more important to me, and I value that. You know me well enough and watch me well enough and you're willing to drop your two cents on me and I never feel in bondage to it. I'm getting better. Oh, I love when you <laughs> drop your two cents on me because it's, it's a different a lot perspective and I know you love me and trust me. We just talked about that. But um, the reality is, is that that would be, you know, my motto to love someone and love who they love or what they love. But beyond that, for myself, I wanted to be a woman who took things to God mm. and heard lots of things, but not all of them were for me. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. And our producer is going to start waving flags at me any minute here. So I want to be sure that I wanted to be sure I get that in. So um, you are um, a Christ-centered woman. Yes. You have forged 
deep and um, broad relationships. You have mentored. You have uh, taught in your form of teaching. You have given hospitality to many, um, including hosting groups in your house. And of all the ministries you've engaged in, local church, international ministries, presidential prayer ministries, the, the neighborhood ministry was so avant-garde. Uh, we are in the throes of this racial disorder and the discussion of people of different colors. Um, your family went down to the Latino area of the Phoenix community long before that was a conversation anywhere. Well, not anywhere, but in, in greatly invested. So when I say to you, of all the things and of all the things you value, which was my question, I want to know what it is, and I'm really kind of on the edge of my seat to hear what you say. Well, thing you're going to impart to our girls. We had an opportunity to meet uh, other people who love Christ that were very global in their thinking and um, also very relationally oriented. And I, I would say they probably impacted our life, certainly shifted us from being very much uh, a religion in a box to thinking bigger than, uh, than we had about the love of God. And we moved to Washington, D.C. for two years and were um, invited to be part of this group of uh, black people and white people coming together to worship Christ. And um, I was made aware of the poor and the other in ways that I had never been before. And that was what led us to getting involved in neighborhood ministries. It's, I had lunch with a friend soon after we moved back and told her I had a heart to do this. And she <laughs> held my hand and introduced me to the gal that was the director of neighborhood ministries and it changed our, our lives, both of us, Rick and, and me, as well as, I think, believing that Amy was very affected. But also, we met a couple that taught us something that revolutionized our marriage. And I think that's the thought that I'd like to leave. And that is, we call it, Rick and I call it, the philosophy of agreement. And whenever we're asked to speak to marriage groups, this is what we we have kind of a one-trick pony because it just changed everything in our relationship and it was so so grounded in christ I, everything about it was just submitting to one another and and asking for a personal uh communication with the lord about the direction uh, that he wanted us to go in and um, changing our minds uh, without resentment and being able, and it's called, like I said, the philosophy of agreement that Rick and I, when we are making a decision about something, and we're very different people, but <laughs> uh, we talk about it, and I feel strongly about one thing, and he feels strongly going a different direction and so many times you feel that you need to hurry up and make that decision we we just stop and we allow the Lord to 
to tell us, to talk to us, to change us, to have the mind of Christ. And um, so we can come back together again, and we are united in the decision we make. And the verse from uh, Matthew, Matthew 18, 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And I think that can be very uh, misinterpreted in what that means. I mean, we all want to have the mind of Christ. We want our desires to come from him, not from our own egos or um, I want my way or the easiest or whatever. And so the agreement comes from getting God to change your heart if it needs to be changed. And then when we go forward together in agreement, Rick and I, if, if the plan fails, we've failed together. We fall together. Um, uh, or if it succeeds, we celebrate together. But it has absolutely changed our marriage, and we have been married for 50 years. Plus, I used to think of people that had been married that long as really, really old. And now I realize they are. Maybe they were, but certainly Rick and I were. We must have been babies. You were. <laughs> anyway, um, so thank you to the couple that shared this with us. And we, the people that we are close with, that we have discipled or mentored, uh, have heard this said to them so they know the magic words and hopefully uh hopefully that's helped their marriage too a lot of people that's just impossible but waiting on the lord waiting on the lord to change your heart um we expect it and we don't nag each other during that time i know that we are um out of time not really. You know, there's a gal. Oh, I have so much a, more to say. There's a gal who always says, she always says, it's my show. And I always <laughs> say, yeah, say, that's oh, true. honey, okay. you don't have to talk like that. But I kind of feel that way right now. It's my show. Um, I, I just want to press you to give one illustration because I have seen this in you. I, I could give you 10 illustrations myself right now about the things I've seen you and Rick come to an impasse about some of them small some of them larger and then you you go away i i love the notion of you're going oh i go away mm -hmm. i don't stay heated in it trying to convince mm -hmm. or convict or change the mind of another person we Three do talk words, about it but convince, not enough change or convict uh but but you go away to your prayer corner into his prayer corner and then when we come back you may have been called to change he may have been called to change or the whole episode the whole thing we're talking about may be moderated enough and altered enough that we can both come to agreement can you i've given you a few minutes there can you think of one illustration that you were in disagreement about and how it came to be one most of the time, I have to say, it's me that has to change. And it isn't, I don't do it resentfully. It's just that maybe I had different motives <laughs> than he did. But uh, this is one, a biggie, that we, when we moved to Washington, D.C., we went for one year because the people that were influencing us, we wanted to see it up close and personal. Uh, 
the things that they had taught us that, I mean, we were just, we just took it as, it, we believed it was truth, and uh, it, but it was new. Some of the things were new about small groups and, and uh, such. Now it's just no big deal. Everybody. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Rick felt like we weren't done after a year. And so I, I said, okay, that's fine. We, we really did have quite a wonderful time. And, oh, my gosh, the amazing exposure uh, that we had to people from all over the world that love Christ. And it was just, it was amazing. And then to live in Washington, D.C., all the things that there are to see. Anyway, um, but then after two years, he was having such a great time. He was thinking about, well, maybe, you know, he had left the business um, to Bob to run while we were gone, and Bob had done it for two years without Rick. And um, anyway, I was very unhappy, though, very unhappy. And it took us several months, but Rick knew it was the right thing to do when we decided to go home. Come home. Um, I was I was ready to think that we weren't going to reach, uh, that we really were at an impasse. And I, you know, the old teachings of submission that, um, that I had kind of grown away from and believing in agreement, I was thinking I was going to have to submit again. But the Lord just changed us both. I'm so glad we came back. Yeah, I'm so glad we came back. And and I've thought of that many times myself, Joan. I I would have told a different story. I have several that I could have told. But I've thought of that story in the light of um, an honor. I I did. I I do think Rick was a, you know, he Phoenician and business was here. His dad was here and his brother was here. But um, this was, this is that you started our time together. This is your your home. This is your homestead. This is where your where your generations have lived. And I've always thought I I don't think I've even ever heard um, Rick say what it was that changed in him. But I've always thought there was a piece of it, whether he recognized it or not, that he recognized God's hand in that was an honoring of you, an honoring of Joan, his wife. And that was in you you use the word submission. And I think we, we always want to say that God's word is so clear to tell us that we are to submit to one another. Right. And the passage that leads us to talking about marital submission starts with two people who learn to submit to one another right. before they're married. A lot of and respect. That's exactly right. So you, um, I've always thought that, and you know, of course, I love Rick. And if Rick loves you, I'm, I'm pretty glad about that. So <laughs> that was a very, and of course, personally, I was really glad you came home. So I have to end the show now, even though I don't want to. But I will tell you this, and I'll tell all of you this. Miss Producer, don't be smiling at me too big, because what I'm about to say, you're probably thinking, that woman has gone off her loops. I think Joan should come more often, and we should do some shows together, like interview people and talk about topics. We should just get a topic, because we can talk about anything and everything, and we don't always agree. So I'm just throwing that out there, all public and not. You thought I was going to be really shy and have nothing to say. I did not think you were going to be shy. (laughs) Are you kidding? I've been praying to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That you would would not talk <laughs> as much. 
I love you. I know you know that. I Thank you, you so much for sharing with our audience things that... It's so fun to be in this part of your life. Yeah, it's so fun to have you. And um, your uh, effect and influence on me is uh, for life, and I thank God for his gift of you as a friend. We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto, and this has been a great joy to me, as I'm sure you can hear in my voice. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go on, make it a very uncommon day of investing your life into someone you love.